Series 1, Episode 1. That's got a lovely ring to it. I quite like that. It almost makes me want to not do any more. <laughs> I like the idea that there's... It sort of sounds so formal, doesn't it? Series 1, Episode 1. And it's that mimicked... I suppose you'll get the same thing when you get to Series 50, Episode 50. Oh, it's the repetition I think I like, actually. I don't think it's the one and the one. It'll be all right. We'll carry on. Um, we'll just need to get to that bit. Well, we're here. I should introduce a little laughter in the background nice and early, probably. <laughs> Do I? Can I call you Matt? I, I Yes, I, it's what I usually answer to. So I'm only Matthew when I'm in trouble with my mum. OK. Are you Matthew when you're in trouble with other people or...? Or not? Well, I'm pretty good at not getting in trouble with other people, so <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> I'm Matt, Matt will suffice. <laughs> okay, Matt will suffice. Um, is that your full name? <laughs> My middle name is <laughs> yeah, it's, it's triple-barreled, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Boyles, here you are, <clears throat> sat chatting to me. It's very nice. I like it already in your striped yes. little pyjamas there. Um, <laughs> they do look like pyjama. I can uh, confirm it is just a shirt and not like a wee willy winky type of hair. Up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a wee willy winky, that's right. Um, so I think we probably should start with confession number one, Matt, before we get to how we know each other. Um, that sounds oh like it's going to be confession number two, doesn't it? <laughs> nothing to confess. How many have you got? <laughs> um, and that's that we don't really have a plan for this do we we sort of have a plan for it but it's not like it's been very well thought through or rehearsed is it <laughs> we, we've we've got an outline and i think people like homemade well we're about to find out and, <laughs> yeah. and i know i do hopefully our following will be of those who support the craft podcast that's what we should call it a new genre <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, let's get deep and dirty into this because I am genuinely really excited about discovering and exploring what it is to be human and what it means to be human as well, because I don't think we talk about it enough. And we'll touch on that a little bit later as well. Um, but I should also start at the very beginning, because as with any new podcast, it's probably really important to explain that this is for everybody. It's not for a particular group of people. This is for a human. Um, in fact, I know it's for humans and no other species because my dog is laid here listening to this and is already asleep. So <laughs> this is very much for humans. So Matt, I met you, well, I've never met you, but oh. I spoke to you. I met your voice in my head um, in, when was that, October? Last year? Yeah, mm. beginning of October 20, no, 20, 2020. 2020, because it feels like a 20. very long time. Um, <laughs> because a friend of mine who had lost a phenomenal amount of weight, I think he became like the, it wasn't Weight Watchers, other weight reducing plans are available um, until they sponsor me, in which case that's the only one you should go for. But up until now, uh, <laughs> you can go for anyone you want. Um, uh, he became like their poster pinup boy for like a year or something. He lost just so much weight in nine months. And I was chatting to him and I said, you know what? Like, I've lost loads of weight. I've not been very well. Quite a bit of stress, life stress as well. And uh, I thought I need to put weight on. But 
I can't just put weight on, right? I need to do something with it. Otherwise, I'm just going to put on loads of weight and then I won't feel really probably very good at all. Um, and I said, I know it's not your bag because obviously you're into losing weight, not putting weight on. Although if you saw how much bread this man consumed, you'd be very surprised. Um, however, <laughs> and he said, oh, you should try this guy. I follow his online, his Facebook workouts or something. And I said, okay, but look, I just a bit sort of, I don't know reserved about the whole fitness like personal trainer thing <laughs> it's a little bit like having a driver matt isn't it you know when you reference your driver it's like i was saying to carlos my pastry chef i was saying you know how when i say <laughs> you know you know when i say to other people you know about my pastry chef or my driver or something or my hairdresser and they get all like uppity about it i sort of feel like having a personal trainer just it, it, it immediately makes you sound a little bit like a tosser doesn't it do you know what I mean? I mean, as a personal trainer, I find it hard to agree with that <laughs> statement. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be worse. You could refer to them as your PT. That's sort of worse. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, holistic fitness coach. How does that sit with you? Oh, oh, I'm just going to call my... I, I'll need to check if I'm allowed to eat that. Let me text my... <laughs> my HFC. FC, yes. <laughs> I like it. Um, anyway, oh, so Jess, you're so relatable. With... Yes, I know. Um, I hooked up with you. Actually, I need to stop saying that, don't I? I've only just sort of really realised the implication of telling people that I hook up with them. Um, and I, it has been completely has gone. Honestly, has been naively has been me hooking up with this person, hook up with that guy. Let's hook up. Let's hook up. Like that's a very American thing. And only very recently, somebody said, you probably don't want to put out there that you're hooking up with quite so many people. Um, so we didn't. Yeah. To be clear, no. Um, no. we I engaged the services of my professional holistic, um, <laughs> whatever the hell you are, personal trainer. Um, and so we started then. And you were amazing from day one, like nothing at all like I thought a personal trainer would be. But I honestly feel the reason for this long introduction, and it, my God, it's been long, we'll edit that down. Um, is that to just introduce you as a personal trainer doesn't feel right because you are you do so much more than that but maybe you should probably explain what you do and who the hell are you and why are you in my kitchen <laughs> uh, well look thank you for the kind words Jess I really appreciate that I mean on paper yes I'm a personal trainer and have been one for coming up to 10 years oh hardest job in the world man and boy um <laughs> and when I started uh, I had Actually, I only just really got into fitness myself, only for maybe 18 months, two years, because before that, I thought fitness was something other people did. Yes. From various experiences, maybe in school and growing up and just being naturally slim and being and being gay as well, which for me, I ticked a lot of the, the classic boxes, didn't like <laughs> contact sports, preferred playing with the girls, didn't want to get muddy. And there's, there's literally no nurture in that. That was inherent in me from when I was super young. And then going to a school that was really rugby focused, uh, funnily enough, didn't enjoy that because who wants to get be beaten up for two hours every twice a week wearing a pair of shorts in winter? And then with, I'm, I'm not going to labour this because, but the school experience like mostly was great. But with that side of the sport, because it was so rugby focused, if there, if you weren't good at rugby or you didn't like it, you were kind of sidelined. So no other real options were really presented till a bit later. I started running a bit and then left school and went to university and just drank and ate and didn't really do anything there. And then it wasn't until my mid twenties 
when I started having that, oh, maybe I should or could do something. But I was working in marketing at the time and ended up joining a gym and realized, oh, hang on. I get what people are wanging on about. It feels quite good to be able to lift weights and do stuff and move your body in ways that you don't normally. Sure. So that was the sort of the door, the, the path of, oh, I quite like this. And also realizing I liked marketing. It wasn't my passion. And so jumping ship and becoming a personal trainer became the obvious step. And the first six years of that, I was more traditional. Face-to-face, met people in the park, cheered them on, counted their reps. Great, loved. And it was a great step for me because it got me into the fitness industry, uh, helped me polish my skills and just get that experience. But I wasn't changing the world. And I started to realize that after five or six years. And it was then I'd started seeing the rise of some other online trainers and just thought, I like that, but I I think I can do it better. I think there's more I can bring to the table because it was around then I'd started meditating, started realizing, well, do you know, you know, when horses are on the road and they're wearing blinkers, so they don't get scared by a dog jumping up on the other side of the road. Yeah, I think it, it's for more reasons than that, but that's just one of the reasons that they're wearing. But yes. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, well, I'll, well, we'll use it as that example for now. But I felt like I was a horse and I'd had the blinkers taken off. And all of a sudden, I could see this rich world of fitness that it was more than just counting someone's reps. It was really like kind nutrition coaching. It was sure. deep empathy with people you connect with. It was meditation, confidence, all these inner world things as well. So that was the journey about three and a bit years ago to where we are now. And that's right. how we've been working in an online capacity. Yeah. Oh, yes. See, now that sounds very professional. Mm. <clears throat> I've been capacitated by you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I've loved every second of it. And I have to say, it's not really the sort of thing I thought I would. I mean, I had huge body confidence issues at the very beginning. I'm not saying I don't have them now, but I, I, I feel amazing. And I'm not like mega ripped or like, you know, some catalog model so it's not like i've started with you and i'm like oh look now i'm adonis um but even with this little change i have so much more body confidence um even though there's not really much to have confidence about you know it's not like i'm like oh look at the (laughs) the ripples everywhere right it's not about that anymore well you you say that though but i would say actually you've dramatically changed because you're lifting three times more weight than you did at the start yes which is a huge and so you you ultimately were still then judging it on physical appearance and this is part of my job and role is to help people realize there are so many thousands of other metrics and ways you can be excited and inspired about what's happening both in and around your world things you learn how you look at things differently um which you have you but you have embodied that too sure but yesterday i was in the garden um and there was about three tons of mulch that i was moving around i've been doing it for a while because it's about seven tons it was delivered and i i was i did that from like 10 in the morning till half four in the afternoon with a break for lunch in the middle and peeing and stuff and it, it's like it's just it's fine that, that before i would have been having to stop like every 30 minutes or something or like with a wheelbarrow because I got the biggest <laughs> literally when I moved here the site that I'm on is an acre right and I've planted and designed everything around here so it's a big garden um, so I googled world's largest wheelbarrow right that is the exact thing I googled <laughs> to find what was the biggest because I couldn't like the idea of just a normal so this thing is it's mm. called something like the gigantotron or something it is huge like, it's like a it's like a bath and so because I'm using that is a heck of a lot of stuff in it um and it doesn't yep. it doesn't phase me at all just yesterday I was thinking this is incredible I've been doing this all day and it feels fine you know there's no kind of real fatigue 
Um, I mean, I suppose in a roundabout way, I'm sort of saying I'm like Rambo, I suppose. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. So we will, I'm sure, get to learn more about you and me as the series drags on and on and on and on. Um, but my point of introducing you at the very beginning and to say that that's when I met you back in uh, the beginning of October and together we have been on a journey and my journey has been significant in that time. I would say I've been on a pretty incredible journey over the last 12 months and, and largely uh, highly emotional. I was going to say negative, but actually I'm beginning to come out the other side and realize that there's an awful lot of that stuff that has huge uh, positive connotations. And this, the idea of being on a journey, I think, is a really interesting point to perhaps start our series on being human yeah. because... As we have spoken about before, Matt, there are hugely conflicting characteristics of being human. Um, I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of a little wonder we even actually get on with anybody. Like if we were more animalistic, I think we'd just eat each other and not in the good way. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'd just, it, it would be... We'd I just do be, now. <laughs> we'd just be scrapping because if you think about all of the conflicting types of people and, and emotions that we have even daily right like yesterday you could wake up and feel completely different to how you are today yeah i mean really i guess what i'm saying is we should both retrain as divorce lawyers like if the dollar's what you're choosing <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> kramer versus kramer here we come <laughs> but you must see that too right you must see so many different well you've seen it with me i know that because one day i'm like up and like this is amazing and I feel really good and the next day I'm like oh I just don't feel it and I'm not <laughs> ripped enough or whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely do um and from my own personal experience though the more that I have um decided to take action in my own life the happier I've been so the more that I do things for myself which a lot of people come to me and they think some kind of health or fitness or self-care is uh, selfish in some way, like, oh, I don't have time for that. I've got other things that are more important. But at the crux of helping people with this is the fitter, healthier, stronger, happier you are, the better you are at everything you want to do, the better friend, lover, worker, colleague, boss you are. And sure. the ripple effect of that just spreads because they lift other people and they lift other people. Um, and it, it absolutely... I know what you're saying. Of course, I can wake up in a crappy mood and just feel like, oh, you know, this, this, what's good, especially like given the last year, which we're only going to yeah. mention that once and never again, but because <laughs> it's done to death. It's okay. Like, A, first of all, reminding people that it's okay to have those moods. B, that actually the more you look after yourself, the less those moods will hit or they won't, maybe won't be quite as deep. And of course, like, no one's immune to depression or feeling crappy or sad or whatever reasons but I know firsthand the more that I do these good things to myself and they can be small things that's the other thing but they can be tiny tiny steps they all add up and contribute to they compound to a healthier happier me long term sure the thing I often struggle with is the immense complexity of what it is to be human like, like this idea that I've been, I've been sort of pushing people, having known I wanted to start this sort of human project of, of which there are lots of different ways I'd like to explore it and, and, and go and take it. But the sort of nub of it is what does it mean to be human? 
And the, the amount of people that come back to me and go, oh, God, that's a deep question. And oh, God, that's going to take a lot of thought. And I think, well, isn't that amazing that you survived all of this time in your life without actually giving any thought as to what it is to be you? Which, when you put it like that, it's really simple, isn't it? <laughs> you think, oh, yeah. why have I not Can done you imagine, that, right? though? <laughs> Can you imagine if there was a class on that in schools, how revolutionary that could be? Yeah, Just could getting, be. getting kids from a younger age to open their mind and go, regardless of what they end up doing, but just that moment of introspection, I think is really powerful. And you're right, we don't do it. <coughs> you mentioned, <clears throat> do you feel that in a minute you can't cough? Like that when you cough, you think there's about oh, 9 absolutely. million people aware of that? I'm little, Abs I mean, absolutely. I'm a little worried about coughing. <clears throat> um, you can cough with me, Chez. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> That'll get edited out. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> um so, <laughs> you sound like my gp um he was struck <laughs> off um so anyway that my point is that <laughs> you know if you think about like the intro video that i've done for human this idea that we're loved and we're loving we're emotional we're overthinkers we're complicated we're vulnerable we're lonely we're courageous we're um brave we're conflicted we're stressed we're all of these things together now earlier on you said about being at school and i had a sort of similar thing like um we had a, a, a gymnasium a home gym with like lifting and weights and stuff like that and these little laminated bits of paper you know do 10 of these this is the little stick man from clip art make sure you look like this when you're doing it um and i did that because it meant i didn't have to run around outside in the cold with shorts and muddy as well <laughs> i was like oh or i could go indoors that one please i remember talking to some teachers in the last I've been very very lucky that I've got to spend lots of time in the education sector as a behaviorist and it's my most favorite place to spend time because they are I think massively under there's been this weird shift in education where years ago they were hugely respected you spend more time with teachers during your key critical developmental periods than you do with your own parents and your own family um, and yet these people are you know, bound by red tape and paperwork and uh, no time and no support. Uh, and I like spending time with them to remind them what that passion was and to find that kind of fire in their belly again, right? Mm. But full circle, my point is that you mentioned how being at school and playing rugby and stuff, just it, it was one or the other, like you either liked ball sports or you didn't. And if you didn't, well, that's all of those gone. And I think that's one of the greatest tragedies is that as humans, we're taught to think uh, very linearly like it's either this or it's this um well now if you opened if you had some really creative physical ed teachers that opened that up so it wasn't about a contact ball sport but it was about i don't know scoring points or being able to go to different points on the pitch or something or collaborative teamwork or something something different so it wasn't just about chasing after a ball and sliding around on the floor which i know obviously is what rugby is um, but if you change rugby, all of those people that didn't like contact ball sports would like PE more. So therefore they'd be, you know, they'd be healthier and fitter and feel more included. And everyone's got that PE story to tell, haven't they? Where they, where you pick teams and there's always <laughs> like the three that are always the last to get picked. Right. Um, <laughs> I think I probably was on that team. <laughs> yes. It's ringing bells. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this idea that there are these incredible conflicts of being human. Mm. You know, I, I always wonder how we manage that because no one teaches you, do you? you? You just get on with it. No, but that example you just gave is really interesting because we do all have a kindness in us. But then so in that example of like kids at school having to pick teams, 
there's a kindness however deeply it's buried but in everyone in terms of oh i don't want people to feel left out but then there's also well i want the best team and maybe the best team isn't including all the other people who you know i want to be kind to but they're not going to help me win so from that early age we're faced with these different conflicts but the, yeah that is true and which we sort of seem to resolve i guess through social understanding and social nurturing and social pressure which kind of brings me to a point I did also want to talk about today is uh, just to sort of set this series up. Are you going to wear that shirt every time or not? It's quite distracting. I have basically 17 different uh, versions of this shirt. So this right, is all okay. I wear day to day, uh, even why, for fitness. Why, why 17? What do you wear on the other day? <laughs> oh, I, have a, I work to a different calendar to most people. Oh, so. oh well, that... 17 days in a month. <laughs> that may... That's why I never get hold of you. Uh, <laughs> don't contact me between the 18th and the 31st because that does not exist in my time. <laughs> There's this really interesting thing that I wanted to explore just as we set up the rest of this sort of series and, and where we could go with this. Um, and I'm really interested, I suppose, to hear from other people listening as to what in that monumental question, what does it mean to them to be human? And, and I asked a lot of people on social media, and I've got some really interesting responses, which perhaps we'll, we'll have a kind of quick flick through and, and, and chat about. But we are very good, I think, at, at not being honest with ourselves, at not being vulnerable and not being authentic. And vulnerability and authenticity for me are two, the, two things that, that kind of sit together. I think it starts with being authentic but I haven't given this tons of thought. This is just kind of my idea. And I'd be interested in hearing what you think. But the idea of being authentic is driven by actually the ability to be vulnerable. Because you have to be open and honest with yourself and not have these multiple layers, these masks that we wear. And from a very young age, you're taught if you want to fit in, you're going to have to add some layers because you can't be seen to be emotionally vulnerable. And that's very true of the West, I think. And there are certain cultures that are much more emotional. So this idea that from a very young age, you know, you add a layer um, to protect yourself so that you don't get hurt. And then you add another layer and you get mm. used to that, I think. And I think it just becomes second nature that you keep adding masks. You keep this protective sort of bubble that takes you further and further away from who you really are. I've been playing mm. around in my head with this idea that we're different people to many different people, right? So who you are with your partner is very different to the person you are at work. It is very different yeah. again to the person you are with your best friend, to someone else's child. And that's because, not necessarily of adaptability, but because of these layers, because of these masks that we, that we sort of add, right? I guess yeah, you could see them as masks or you could see them as roles we play. And yes. I don't always think, I don't necessarily mean that they're, they're not, just because I'm different with someone else doesn't mean that's one's more authentic than the other. Because there are always different dynamics. Yeah, how'd you like yes. them apples? Yes. However, I'm going to push on that a little bit. I don't disagree with it, but if you think about when you're like, let's think about tolerance levels, right? I always think this is really interesting when I watch this because I have often been in a position where my partner and like my best friend would be there or their best friend would be there, right? And I would do something like, I don't know, cut a carrot or <clears throat> put something in the dishwasher and like all hell would let loose about the way that I've cut the carrot or the way that something went in the dishwasher. And then the friend would kind of do something in their own way. And it would be like, oh, look, look how you cut the carrot. And oh, it doesn't matter. And 
we, we can try to be different people and we, and we do put more effort in to be different people with, with other people, right? And more effort goes into our response than it does with other people. It's one of, I suppose, the greatest challenges of relationship counseling is that it's like, you know, relationships are like life. You've got to put effort in in order for it to be sweet and lovely. So I suppose I would push back in that sense. But are you going to tell me that you have like the most wonderful, perfect, like filmic relationship and that you never like argue about the way that you put stuff in the dishwasher or something? I wash up my hand now. <laughs> oh, I can't think of anything worse, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I wear gloves. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Uh, that would be rid ridiculous. I don't have a perfect... A, I don't think, I think the word perfect doesn't mean anything. I don't think there is any kind of perfection in any sphere of life. And I think actually, we, something to talk about later, that concept holds so many people back of mm. this idealised version of perfection. Oh, they're doing it perfectly, so I have to do it perfectly. No, they're not, and you can't because it's not possible. Sorry, we'll park that. I, d I definitely do play different roles. And I also think it comes down to the balance of power with the different people. Yeah. You're, you're with you're speaking with whether it is a work relationship a, rela a physical relationship like a family relationship there are always different hierarchies and obviously sometimes uh, i guess a hierarchy can't be flat sometimes you can be a completely on an even footing but there often is someone who's maybe slightly more in charge or someone who just holds the balance of power a little sure. bit more and that's not necessarily a bad thing until maybe it gets completely out of whack such as being shouted at for cutting a carrot wrong par exemple yeah um that's actual french yes 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 it is i don't think it's a bad thing if you know you're doing it but then that adds that level of awareness yeah um but maybe that is worse if you know you're playing a different role as opposed to just being naturally you i mean this is a minefield jez i know well i'm not saying i had the answers i'm just saying it's <laughs> worth discussing because it is this principle of authenticity, I think, because in the mm. grand scheme of things, and, and I think this is going to be end up being one of those podcasts where sometimes we might have some guidance or some some advice. And other times it might just be a case of putting it out there to let something just reflect a bit in your mind. And that's equally important, mm. I think. You know, you don't have to have an answer. Sometimes it's just about questioning yourself, even if the answer mm. is, no, I am comfortable with who I am. And that's OK, too. But this idea of being authentic would probably play out more at work. Because I, I hear a lot of people in like management or leadership positions who, um, who or, well, actually, in all areas of, of commerce, actually, who sort of feel a bit disingenuous, like they're having to play a role in order to justify their position or in order to move forwards. Or, and I just think that's hugely tragic that you would not be yourself or not feel that you could be yourself. And then when you push people on it, this is my own experience, and I'd love to hear because you obviously have an experience of pushing people and, and pushing back and sort of asking questions and challenging people and the way their mindset and whatever, is that you often find, or I often find, that it is simply because they don't really truly know who they are. Uh, and, and that's a very loaded statement, but but there are areas mm. of their characters of personality where they don't, they've not really had that question, which to go full circle to where we started is exactly why when you say to people, what does it mean to be human? They kind of like look at you like you're a bit of a you know, madman. I go, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Does it matter? I don't what jumped into my head when you were talking about that was people at work playing roles because of how society has told them they have to if they want to progress. For example, especially women in the workplace. Like 
they've been told either they play this meeker role and there is a glass ceiling that they can't progress through or if they want to they have to be a ball breaker who smashes heads and like doesn't take any crap from anyone and again there are people who embody that entirely in in any sex but there's also i think oh if i want to succeed i'm going to have to be someone i'm not and that could only be maybe five percent difference but it's that responding to the environment with the appropriate persona required that's a bit heavy isn't it yeah (laughs) sorry i know i know but equally coming back to that awareness point if they know they're doing it i think that's still authentic because it's still them they know okay i go to work and i put on a face i don't mean makeup i just mean i put on my work uh outlook and i'm that person from nine to five i think we we play roles ourselves and i think there's a lot there's a lot to be said for embodying someone else when you need to be to hey to get your own way sometimes this podcast should come with a prescription, I think. <laughs> Talking of which, Matt Boyles, you're pretty much a doctor, aren't you? Um, you're like a... <laughs> Essentially. I've got the bad handwriting. <laughs> I mean, in the same way that Dr. Quinn was a doctor, you are basically Dr. <laughs> Dr. Boyles Medicine Boyles, Woman. Boyles Medicine yes. Woman, yes. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, you're in my phone as Dr. Matt. I mean, when anybody questions me about my unusual proclivities... Um, uh, that have been guided by your regime. Uh, I say, well, my personal doctor, uh, my personal physician uh, said that uh, this is what I should be doing as I'm hanging upside down like a fruit bat um, from a bar uh, eating 0% fat Greek yogurt. Because you are basically uh, basically a doctor, I thought I would uh, just touch on, because this sort of ties in with exactly what we were just saying, how holding back and holding back your emotions particularly can lead to health problems. Uh, and, and I believe it's one of the most significant behavioral and psychological challenges of the 21st century. Um, and it's a hangover from the Victorian period um, because it was uh, probably early the Victorian period actually, but the Victorians have an awful lot to, that, that I think we should be very grateful for and are understandably very proud of, but there's an awful lot that was pretty horrific about the Victorian period, particularly when it comes to medicine and, and mental health as well. But you think about even with gardening, like the hang up is still there. So this weird obsession we have that all of the trees should look like lollipops and cut, you know, nice and flat and that our grass should be trimmed with sharp edges and borders and the herbs go in the herb garden and the fruit goes in the fruit area or whatever. That's all Victorian. There's no reason why you can't have everything all wild and rambling, whatever. It's just that we've still got this obsession of everything being neat. And I think the same is for our ability to not be vulnerable and authentic with our own emotions as well. We've kind of taught to not be not show emotion, right? And I know that that leads to increased levels of stress and anxiety and, and depression and whatever. Do you see that as a, <laughs> I can't keep calling you a doctor. <laughs> it's basically illegal. Um, I'll get struck you, off. You, yes, exactly. <laughs> do you see that as a nurse? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And part of my work with my clients is the coaching calls that we have, that we have had every week. I've worked with so many guys and had grateful to say so much experience working with people all around the world. But one of the greatest things I can do is help is reassure people that they're normal. One of the things is taking progress pictures 
And it's yeah. not a mandatory. In fact, nothing I do is mandatory. People generally are grateful that they did take pictures because four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks later, they have physically progressed as well as mentally progressed. And when you see yourself in the mirror day to day, it's hard to see day to day changes, but over four weeks and so long and longer. Uh, the point of what, why I'm saying this is so many people, when they take their first pictures, say, oh, I'm disgusted. I can't believe I've got this far. Oh, look at me. Oh, this is never going to work. This is so awful. And they're so down on themselves because of the their out, outer appearance. A, they haven't looked at themselves like as honestly as I've asked them to. But then there's that reassuring point of so many, like telling people, so many people have said this, I promise it's just a benchmark. It's just a starting point. Sure. But that reassuring element, letting people know that, you know, they are part of this bigger community, that actually you can start to be honest with me as well. There's obviously complete confidentiality and just sure. letting people talk. As soon as you bring something out into the light, that's when you can start to realize maybe it's not as awful as you think. And so that element of illuminating people's stresses and problems Yes, is really powerful. The, uh, from my own experience, I know when I've kept things caged and locked up, they festered and they yeah. do go round and round in your head. And learning to talk and be open is always the first step to feeling better about yourself or whatever it is the issue is. But it isn't something that inherently we're allowed to do, is it? I mean, certainly not no. at work. And I think that's hugely tragic. But also just generally in life, you know, we've, there's that very emotionally devoid style, I suppose, that we're that we're encouraged to take this idea that you shouldn't, you know, talk about your emotion. Uh, and uh, heaven forbid that you should show how you really think, you know, you should kind of hold your emotion back, shouldn't cry. These are, we are a sentient emotional species that that is what we are and so to not be emotional is it's almost like saying do you know what? so for a short time i studied animal behavior and one of the most common challenges presented by people who have dogs is about barking so they don't want their dog to bark i mean that's like buying a budgie and saying can you stop it flapping like it is just like that's what they do. Like who bought the dog? I mean, oh, oh, it barks. Oh, oh no. I mean, I can't be doing with that. I mean, there's this thing sticking out of its back that wags like this. Can we, <laughs> can we stop that? So this idea of you know not being emotional. I think there's a little bit of a shift socially with more conversations like this. But we've got a lot of work to do. If you think about our parents, I mean our grandparents, even worse. How many miserable marriages do our did our people from our grandparents generation go through because once you're there that's it you know you can't be socially yep. shunned and divorced you just got to suck it up and get on with it you've made your bed lay in mm -hmm. it this idea of this very polite you know there'll be like some emotional meltdown or something do <laughs> you like victoria wood the comedian oh i don't think i can get on with people who don't like her okay there's this wonderful comedy sketch piece that she does relating to a funeral that when the, <laughs> when the husband dies, there's just this, this way that we deal with emotionally charged situations where the husband dies and uh, there's this sort of <laughs> Western practicality where the immediate thing to think about is, right, well, we need to organise a buffet for the wake. And there's that line, <laughs> isn't there? And it's something like, uh, 63 baps, Connie, you slice, I'll spread. Do you find with... Because people that are coming to you, I suppose, are sort of halfway there in as much that they're actually asking for help, aren't they? They have the first step is to say, I want to lose weight or gain weight or be yeah. stronger or fitter or whatever. Can you help me? Do you find that they're in a slightly more pliable space? That definitely knocks down a barrier. And I think being able to show empathy is, which I think I'm naturally pretty good at. Bit eight, because I've been through it all myself on the road to where I am now. The only end, I'm sorry to be morbid, the only end is death. So 
as long as you keep doing and even if you take a pause or a long break that's cool but just get back to doing something good for yourself when the time's right yeah and you will continue to feel better and you and hopefully you will continue to emotionally grow at the same time I loved that period of the journey that I had with you in as much that, you know, I, I, I dropped from a 32 inch waist to a 30 inch waist. And the and so my, you know, emotionally, I was identifying with that person before that. That was who I knew. And the mm. fact of the matter is that I was a 32 inch waist in, I don't know, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something. And I'm still a 30 inch waist approximately. But but that's OK, because. I'm extremely healthy and leaner. And, and as you were saying, we have to ask why you were a 32. What, what was that? Was that just sort of, you know, a bit of excess fat sat there? You know, my, I came to you saying, I want to put on weight. And as you were saying, well, what do you want to put on? Like, what is weight? Like, is that fat or is it muscle mass or what? You know, what do you want to what? What are you weighing? And so there was me thinking, hair yes. <laughs> would be hair for me, actually. Uh, I mean, each of these prongs of my moustache is at half a kilo each. Uh, <laughs> Winnette, my facial hairdresser, uh, every morning um, has to um, particularly style those um, to an hour. Um, but my point, um, she's off this week. Uh, but my point is that, you know, I was identifying with this other person that should be kind of like, oh, I want to get back to that. That's who I was, as opposed to this being a journey and who I am now is not that same person because I, and so I ended up buying some new clothes because I think I said to you that every morning I got dressed and the, every, I, I was, everything was saggy and baggy and it made me feel terrible. And metaphorically, this isn't a metaphor, this is literal, but metaphorically, it's almost like you shed the skin of who you were and stop, stop trying to be that person because life is, is forward. The trajectory, as you said, where every day we're closer to the end of this journey. You can't go back. So wherever your journey is heading, that's the way you've got to keep going with it. And sometimes the strongest, the, the strength comes actually, and the hardest strength to find is from letting go of some of that. And it doesn't have to be a worse you. It's just a different you. And I remember that first day when I put on clothes that fit me. You know, I went from like medium to a small. A medium never really. It was always a bit baggy. So it's not like it was a you know drastic thing. Mm. But suddenly to feel clothes on you and see your body shape again was joyful. So I suppose the, the, the journey you're talking about is different for everybody. And it doesn't have to be about weight loss, right? It doesn't have to be about muscle gaining. It doesn't have to be, it could be entirely psychological. I remember that time that you sent me the first before and after photo. And I, and I opened it up and I cried because I could not believe the difference because I couldn't see it day to day. Mm. My point is that whether it's physical or emotional or financial or spiritual or whatever the journey is that listeners might be on or might be aware of, an area of their life that maybe needs a bit more concentration or authenticity seeking of it is that sometimes it's really nice to just pause and reflect as you often say to me about how far you've come don't worry mm. about the destination you're trying to get to is okay part of the journey but it's also often good to just kind of reflect to see the journey so far couldn't agree more absolutely is but also that reflection point helps you bring the motivation in as opposed to mm. doing it for any external motivations, which again, and, and this is something I never talk about appearance as a reason to change. I would always just encourage people to realize the greatest ones come from within, doing it for yourself because you want to, because it helps you feel good, helps you live longer. 
the external motivation links to some kind of external pressure, social shame, if we take it, extrapolate it further, I have to look a certain way to fit in. And so many people have that. I have to look a certain way to be happy, to find a partner. And helping people pull that back into deep inside them that actually those will only get you so far. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Judge Judy, who says, beauty fades, dumb is forever. So actually... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can look, you can look however the heck you want to look but actually hey it's cliche ahoy but it's what's inside that counts and the more that you can give yourself that love and not need it externally the happier you'll be and quite frankly the more lovely people you'll attract but you know well, that's also about you as well not you physically but i mean um about not just what you look but who you are it comes back to that idea of being authentic, right? And having and having the vulnerability to be honest with yourself to say, I'm not comfortable or happy with who I'm pretending to be or or mm. or who I am in that situation. Because I always think, you know, there's room for all of us to be better people all the time. And if everybody had that drive at the core of everything that they did and thought about, the world would be a really quite remarkably powerful place to live if everybody sort of one of the the characteristics was to continually try to be better people which tragically we don't have now define that though better how what what comes to mind when you think that we're going to be better what does that mean oh i've asked another question well less negative i suppose is one way of being better i mean better is subjective right but a better version of yourself so it, so if you've identified that there's something you're not trying as hard with or something you've neglected or something that you do that you know you shouldn't do to whatever degree. You know, you might think, oh, I can be a bit short and curt with people sometimes or you think I, I totally dismiss homeless people and I probably shouldn't or better morals or better ethics or whatever. There will be areas of your life. And I'm not saying all of those things for some mass exodus, you know, some great thing. But, but one thing at a time, you know, many years ago, I made the decision that I could be a better person by giving more of my time to people who don't broadly get time. So if I ever walk past somebody who's homeless on the street, I will always spend a bit of time with them, even if it means I'm late, because if I'm five minutes late to a meeting, well, that could have been traffic. That could have been my alarm going off. There's all sorts of reasons. And actually, the reason I am late is the best reason possible is that I made somebody else feel like they existed and went and got them food or water or something. Or I remember meeting a young girl at King's Cross Station once um, who was asking for money and I had a really lovely conversation with her. Uh, and instead of giving her the money, I put her in a taxi and paid the taxi guy to take her to the hostel and that she wanted to get to because she was trying to get enough money to get to the hostel. She said, I've got the money for the hostel for tonight. I just need to get there now. And I said, well, I'll, then I'll put you in a taxi. Anyway, this isn't about me being Jesus. Matt Boyles, <laughs> what? Tell, yes. tell, me, <laughs> tell me about your month. Because <clears throat> we did say that we would reflect as honest human beings about what your month has been yes. like as a human being. So what was, what was February like as Matt Boyles the human? Pray tell. Um, oh, crikey. <laughs> oh, there was a big sigh, wasn't there? A big sharp intake of breath. How long have you got? Um, I think hopeful is the best word. My parents had their first vaccine. Lovely. Which is lovely news for them. Even as someone who does love a bit of the old fitness, January for me had been a bit slower on that front. I think it was a combination of a year of 
lockdown. Uh, cold, wet weather, yeah. which surprise happens in January, but it's still it's still like it still get it still gets you down. I don't think I've got sad seasonal affective disorder, but you know, I know I thrive in the light and the warmth. Yes. So with February has come lighter mornings some green shoots in the garden as well and just that promise and i've started getting out i made a it's funny i recommend all my i like i make a plan for all my my clients but all sometimes forget to take my own medicine so made myself a plan of how i wanted to get a bit more structured with my fitness but and so previously i was oh i'll go for a run if i've got time or i'll lift some weights and that so now i just came up with a super simple plan and it just and i put it up on my whiteboard in my office so i see it every day and every day i like do my tally of five bars next to it through the week and just that structure again one of my favorite words for my clients obviously really helped me get back into a groove um and just feel better again inside and out in terms of what i'm doing and it made me be a better personal trainer for my clients. It made me think of more things and develop. And actually, from a business side, I started working with my first assistant, who's been such a joy. And it's I resisted for so long. Oh, I'm the business. I know how to do everything. Oh, this is... Rah, 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 rah. What a load of poppycock. Do you make that noise? Oh, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> of like working with a muppet. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's done the program. He's gone through this and he's changed his life as a result of it. And he's on this amazing upward trajectory and he had opportunity for to work with me. And it's just been a beautiful thing. So ah. that collaboration element, but what he's bringing to the table is already so much more than I thought anyone could. So I've had to reassess, hang on, <laughs> maybe companies shouldn't be just one person who knew. <laughs> uh, and it's been so marvelous. Uh, and he's valued it because he's going to use his brain in a way he hasn't been recently. And it just is such a beautiful symbiotic relationship already. So hopefulness, growth, opportunity, expansion, hooray. Those are my five words for February. <laughs> Amazing. I didn't ask for five words and now I'm feeling the immense pressure that both of us have to have five uh -oh. words. But maybe, maybe I could subtly smooth over onto book of the month. <laughs> No, 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 Jess, Jess, how's your month been? Tell us about your Feb. <laughs> uh, revolutionary, uh, revelatory. Oh, no precursor, just straight into the five words. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, um, oh, God. Um, oh, this is embarrassing. It is, isn't it? I know it is really embarrassing. Um, um, <laughs> Um, I was going to say planning then, but that's not going to happen now, is it? Um, so, <laughs> uh, um, warm. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, I'll tell you how it's been. Um, I mean, I don't really need five words. It's a bit excessive. I think uh, probably two sums it up pretty well. Um, and if you've got two good words, why use five? So, um, I, <laughs> it's been amazing. I have been stuck for quite a few months on some stuff some personal stuff and uh, something happened this month just created a major shift and it feels like amazing I've moved on like huge amounts which is uh, incredible I've come to a bit more peace with um, my fitness regime as well because I was still putting myself under quite a bit of pressure to do something every single day and when I didn't the problem is when you put yourself under that pressure and there's no leeway 
then the pressure mounts twice as much because you think, oh, I haven't done that one that I did. You know, if I missed a day and didn't do a workout or something, I think, oh, now there's twice as much pressure because I've got to recap from that and you're putting the pressure on the fact that you haven't done the thing that you put the pressure on to do. So like yesterday, I was in the garden all day, like spading and wheelbarrowing mulch with the world's largest wheelbarrow um, and uh, came in and felt sort of a bit disappointed with myself that I wasn't going to do my workout because that's my workout day is a Wednesday and I thought well hang on a minute you've just spent like five hours in the garden like moving stuff and lifting and surely that is workout enough boy so I gave myself a mission I thought what would Matt say and uh, you know in my ear I was like oh you know oh look at this shirt it's not as dramatic as it looks and um oh you know you, 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 you. and I thought and I eventually got to the little <laughs> A little nub, which was, you know, stop spending all that money on greys. Uh, any nuts will do. And you've been in the garden all day. It's fine. Uh, so that was joyful. So my point being is I've sort of come to this little moment this this month where I'm being, I sort of feel like there was a number of things blocking my ability to just relax and, and be a bit more rounded with my self-care, I think. Be a bit kinder to myself. Uh, and just some of those things just, just come together at, at the right time. So that has been February for me. It's been a real, because I've got self-care and you can stop thinking about things that are influencing you perhaps or distracting your thinking, it frees up your time to think about things that are much more important, like yourself um, and yeah. uh, putting your work first and things that you enjoy doing. So that's what I'm doing. I've decided I think I'm going to be celibate for the rest of my life and I might become a nun because <laughs> that would... That would resolve the being single dilemma of dating, which is horrific. So, yes, I've decided that as well. Revelatory, that, see? It, it really was. Um, that This is something to talk about next time. But as we come out of lockdown, and definitely there's not enough time to cover now, but as we come out of lockdown, we will have to almost relearn being a social species again. And I yeah. think that will present its own opportunities and challenges. But... Fuck that for now. I cannot wait to lick my first face. So, um, <laughs> as we... Oh, get a, get a stamp. There's that lovely gag, isn't there? I forget whose this is. There's a comedian who said something like, I met the Queen last week for the first time ever, and it was incredible. I didn't know what to do, whether to shake her hand or lick the back of her neck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I'm hoping you shook her hand. So, listen... We haven't got time. I can't believe how long this has gone on. We haven't got time this month to do something that we are going to do every month, which is uh, to have a human of the month, aren't we, Matt? So if we sort of feel like it would be a really good idea to share and celebrate somebody in your life, another human, um, as opposed to a, a, a gerbil, um, who has impacted you positively in some particular way or done something particularly interesting um, or been a lovely person or a great example of, of humanity. Uh, and we'd like to give them a little shout out and mention them on here and hear a little bit of their story. So uh, anything else we want to do with that, Matt? Do you have any thoughts on that? Or have I covered it? I, I think you've covered it. So no, I, okay. I think that's a lovely description. So um, yes, yeah, so if there's somebody in your life that you think, do you know, they deserve a shout out because for whatever reason, they're a great example of being a human or they've helped you out to be a better human. For example, obviously, Matt would be mine this month. Stop it. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding, he wouldn't. Um, then get in touch on social media <laughs> at that Jez Rose or you can get hold of Matt. Matt, what is your social media handle, please? Pop it. Uh, <laughs> I'll pop it in now. At Fitter You Global. 
Fitter U Global. Y O U Global. Okay, dokie. Um, not restricting yourself to the UK. Why? Why bother? Social media is an international yes, medium. Yes. Uh, so that Jezros or at Fitter U Global, and let us know who your Human of the Month is, and we will talk about it next month. Now, before we go, in my other uh, internationally acclaimed uh, number one in four countries podcast. Um, but uh, you don't like to talk about it. No, but I don't. I don't want to keep going on about it. Um, uh, potentially award-winning. Award adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> In the wings, ready to go. Speech has been written. <laughs> ready when you are. Uh, get on with it. Um, we have Book of the Month. And Book of the Month is really, really successful. So I thought we would share Book of the Month in this brilliant new podcast from Matt Boyles and Jez Rose, Human. <laughs> what is, Matt, your Book of the Month? Please... Don't say it's some um, tailoring at home, making your own shirt guide or something. <laughs> yeah. I really don't understand the vitriol for the shirt, but press ahead. We don't ahead. need to be so aggressive, Matt. Just answer the question. <laughs> uh, the book of the month for me is the first audiobook I ever listened to. And it was what opened my eyes to personal development. It's called You Are a Badass, and it's by this amazing mouth, mouthy New Yorker called Jen Sincero, who not everyone will like. And I think she's, well, not I, I know she's cool with that because part of it is plow your own furrow, be your own person. But it's, uh, it, it was about realizing that you, we are infinitely powerful. I started listening to this when I was just transitioning from becoming a face-to-face trainer to taking those blinkers off and becoming a, an online trainer with all the other things that I could bring to the table. And it just excited me about, it was sort of, it, I wasn't bored with being a human, but it excited me about, oh, hang on. It felt like uh, there was a secret chapter of, I'd be reading, tell you what, it felt like I'd be reading the book of human and some pages have been stuck together and I hadn't noticed. And then I steamed them with a kettle and managed to unstick this secret chapter on how to really explode and ignite how excited you feel about life. And that's what You Are a Badass did for me. It's not for everyone, but then what book is? Mine. Uh, obviously, Jez is in the Jez Rose shop. Get that now. Um, but she's this tell it like it is, swear, tell funny stories, inspire you human. And I love her and I love the book. Amazing. And and what is her name? Jen Sincero, S-I-N-C-E-R-O. All right, I don't have it, uh, but I do like a book with a provocative title, so that sounds like that will be purchased. Um, mine is slightly, uh, well, significantly less aggressive and probably an awful lot less funny. Uh, it is uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a uh, medical doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, a number of other things as well, who survived Auschwitz. And while he was in Auschwitz, I'm not going to spoil the story. And it's not a story about Auschwitz. Like There are lots of books written about Auschwitz. But he just happened to be um, uh, taken to Auschwitz. He'd written and stored in the lining of his coat. He'd written his like seminal works on, uh, on psychiatry. Kind of landmark person in the same way that Jung and Freud were. You know, Frankl had his own sort of take on things. And he gave the coat to a fellow prisoner who was very, very cold. And because that person was weak, they were taken to the gas chambers and the coat was destroyed and his seminal works were destroyed. He had to start all over again. And one of the observations he had was that many of the people, the men who died in the camps gave up. They had no meaning left in their life. And that's not a criticism, it was an observation. 
And he was saying, obviously, many of them died because they were malnourished and, and whatever. And he said, but ultimately, the one thing that was consistent, because they all spoke to each other and talked, and he had psychiatry clinics there, was that they had nothing left to live for. They believed they had nothing left to live for. And those that, that, that tried to find meaning. And this guy came out of that experience, went on to be one of the most landmark and probably significant people in psychology at that time, throughout the 60s and 70s as well, particularly. And I think it should be compulsory reading for every human being, and particularly everybody in school, it is the most significant book I've ever read. And I have many books. Um, when I moved here, I think I lost count at 3,000. I collect books. I, I love reading. I'm a real prolific reader. And there are five that stand out of all of the books I've ever read in my life. A Man's Search for Meaning is, uh, is one of those. It's an incredible book. It will make you live your life differently with a view to having and finding meaning and understanding what a meaningful life is for you. So those are two very good books, I think, Matt, for this month. Now, I have set up this coffee thing. Now, look, I could talk for 20 minutes on this because it really annoys me. But um, somebody obviously came up with this idea where they thought, oh, instead of PayPal, because that sounds like PayPal, that's sort of obvious, we'll set up another pay link for people to talk about. So they can say, you know, you can pay these people if you want. You know, if you like what you hear, you can contribute. But we'll call it coffee but we'll spell it in a way that doesn't sound like or look like coffee and that requires an awful lot of description to make sure that people find it and get it right. So it's ko-fi.com. So it's coffee, but with a hyphen. Very annoying. ko-fi.com forward slash human podcast. And uh, what that is going to do is Matt and I are going to donate the money to some sort of humanitarian project, uh, which is based on your vote. So it could be Amnesty International, it could be a, a more local project, it could be something that's happening in your community. So you need to get in touch and we'll do this throughout the end of the series um, and let us know where you think in terms of humanitarian, something that helps as many humans as possible or what we might end up doing that I suppose is there might be five or six, there might be a load of people that say definitely help this homeless project definitely help this project for people in this circumstance or whatever and we could divvy the funds up a little bit if you like what you heard <laughs> god bless you um <laughs> there's get, always one yes get help now um and then join <laughs> us next month uh ko-fi.com forward slash human podcast it'll be there all the time and help another human and we'll see you next week uh, no we won't we'll see you next month are you looking forward to next month, Matt? I'm very much so. I, I naturally, I'm I'm an optimist, which has its upsides and downsides. Mainly, its upsides. <laughs> By default. But I'm well. Yes, I'm really excited about getting out more, more fresh air, more sunlight, uh, getting up a bit earlier. Like yes. and that even might be something I'm going to push myself to do. Just like make the most of this beautiful world and time that we have, and not to say that I'm going to give up on sleep entirely but you know there's stuff that can be done at different times and you can get things done earlier in the day so yeah that's that's the march based plan i love the fact that there is that phrase that you could ask yourself all the time is how many summers do i have left and what am i going to do with those uh because we don't talk nearly enough about the fact that we are from the second we are born on a single trajectory to the end of our life right and we hide and run away from it which means that we don't spend our life doing the things um, that probably we should be doing. Um, Matt Boyles, it's been a joy and a pleasure. Thanks, cheers, back at you. Have, 
Have um, yes. again, try that again with more authenticity, please. Have uh, have a lovely day today. I hope you enjoy yourself, and uh, whatever you decide on wearing today, just be happy. All right, that's the important thing. Well, I was. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jess. This has been uh, a treat, and yeah, a really lovely experience. So thank you. Uh, Say goodbye, for Matt. A super lovely chat. <laughs> goodbye, Matt. <laughs> bye bye.